0: to uh, share my testimony just quickly so you know uh, a little bit about who I am, where I come from and and that sort of thing Uh, I'm pleased that Pastor Scott has uh, confidence in me uh, this morning in in, in, uh, in asking me to to come down Uh, my wife and I, we're from Auckland Uh, we attend a church called uh, Faith Baptist Church (coughs) in Northcote on the North Shore You're welcome to come if you're up in Auckland on every any Sunday that you're up there uh, and not here. I encourage you though to uh, to be here. (laughs) Um, I uh, became a Christian. I was saved when I was uh, sixteen years old, nearly seventeen. I believed through all those years until that time that I already was a Christian. Uh, my mum took me, when I was a little boy, a baby, to an uh, Anglican church and I was christened. And uh, she brought me up believing, uh, teach me about God um, and uh, that the Bible is God's word. That's the, basically the, all the knowledge that I had. I had heard that Jesus had died on the cross. I had heard that he uh, rose from the dead. I believe those things too, but what stuck in my head as I was growing up is that God is out there somewhere and that the Bible is God's word. Um, it wasn't until I went to a Christian camp, uh, assuming that I was a Christian and that's why I was going, that uh, someone there, Pastor Pastor Bretz, uh Lee, I probably remembers him. In fact, Lee was about 14 at that time and uh, his wife Shay probably about uh, 11 or 12. Uh, he, uh, he asked me if I'd like to talk to him about the Bible if I had any questions and so we met up the next morning and while everyone else was doing their, their classes at, the, at this Christian camp we sat down and my big question was are there dinosaurs in the Bible? That was a, a, a big question for me, uh, and and where where I was, uh, and uh, he told me yes. And we didn't spend too much time talking about that because his next question was to me was Are you a Christian? And I thought that was just incredibly silly. You know what you're asking me that for? I'm in a Christian camp, <laughs> and so and uh, he says, Oh, when did you become a Christian? And uh, that question just stopped me and i i sat there and when i was christened he said and he said well i'm sorry to say robert but that's not in the bible and just instantly there i knew that i was not safe before god that i had sinned i knew i had sinned and he took me through john chapter 3 showed me how uh Nicodemus came to, to Jesus and he explained to me, Pastor Breach explained to me how I needed to be born again, uh, showed me John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And, uh, and it all made sense. And there on that, that uh, veranda at camp, I was saved uh so my wife, uh she wishes she could be here today. She was saved about three years later. I didn't know her until about five years after I was saved and uh we, we were married in nineteen ninety seven, way back in the olden days, eh? And uh and uh yeah she's she's not well today, so she can't be with us, but My kids are here, and and we're we're so pleased to be here with you this morning. Uh, I'd just like us to read Isaiah chapter 41, the first 10 verses. Our verse that we will consider this morning is verse 10. This may, if not, if it isn't already, may become a favorite verse of yours as we consider it this morning. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 1 to 10. Keep silence before me, O coastlands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together for judgment. Who raised up one from the east? Who was righteousness? Who in righteousness called him to his feet? Who gave the nations before him and made him rule over kings? Who gave them as the dust to his sword as driven stubble to his bow who pursued them and passed safely by the way that he had not gone with his feet who has performed and done it calling the generations from the beginning I the Lord am the first and with the last I am he the coastlands saw it and feared the ends of the earth were afraid They drew near and came. Everyone helped his neighbor and said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the craftsman encouraged the goldsmith. He who smooths with the hammer inspired him who strikes the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. Then he fastened it with pegs that it might not totter. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham my friend. You whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand. Precious verse, verse 10, which is what we will consider this morning. Let's uh, just ask the Lord's blessing as we study his word. Father, we uh, thank you for your completed word. We hold it here in our hands. We rejoice, Father, that that we uh, are free to open it as well here in New Zealand and that we can meet here in this uh, school building and meet together as a church lord father we pray your blessing upon your word i ask your blessing upon this precious church and upon the pastor and his wife bless bless this church as we open your word may you lord uh, instruct us encourage us and challenge us in jesus precious name we pray amen Uh, last week it was my turn to ref my son's under six rugby team he plays ripper rugby and uh, last year he started and i was asked to be the re- i was told that I might have to referee and I was pretty scared about doing that and I'd always be hiding behind someone else when uh, I might be p- chosen or asked to do it but Fortunately, I never did have to do it last year, but this year I thought I should give it a go at least, and I soon found that there were not too many other. It tends to be men that do the refereeing. Not too many other men that uh, wanted to do it as well. So uh, <laughs> I was it, and uh, I'm not scared of being you know of refereeing six-year-olds or under six-year-olds. They don't scare me at all. As the parent on the sidelines. And as as these children, I mean, uh, my son Zion, uh, he's watching these older boys tackling each other and that, and he thinks that's pretty scary as well. But it's the parents again on the sideline. Some of them get really um, aggro. And I can see how war breaks out very easily (laughs) between uh, people that are quite friendly with each other and then suddenly um, their children are involved in something, and and uh, the arguing and and uh, this is just scary. So, last week I was uh, thinking, preparing myself for this this uh, Saturday mo- that Saturday morning, and you know, didn't really want to do it, and uh, starting starting to get resentful, and. Uh, And my daughter, she had something on at the same time. So my son's playing over here. and My daughter is about half an hour drive over there. She had a flute performance. She's just started practicing and and playing it this year. And I wanted to be there with her. And there I am, stuck with these agro-parents, potentially agro-parents at least. And uh, I I was just in a pretty bad mind, and uh, one of the boys on our team scored a try. And uh, the, days, the the game's just flowing by. And suddenly I remembered my daughter Ebony. And I wanted to be there with her to support her, but I needed to be there with my son. And my wife was with Ebony. But I knew that God is with Ebony. So I prayed there. It's funny, just walking back in, this, in my gumboots, uh, back to halfway... I prayed there on the rugby field for my daughter. And then I thought, what about me and my situation? So there, it, uh, God reminded me that I, I needed to commit my situation to him. And I humbled myself before him there on the rugby field in my gumboots with these six-year-olds. And, and uh, God taught me something that day. He showed me that even though it seems like a small thing, uh that if God is pleased to help me, then He is also pleased to hear my call for help. So that might seem it seemed quite a, a big sort of thing to me at the time and next time it occurs it will again. <laughs> uh I don't enjoy walking off the field and feeling like an alien. You know, all the parents are congratulating each other and and the kids and that, and I walk off and no one on any team wants to be my friend. (laughs) Um, I'm just a bit of an alien, eh? So, maybe you have something going on or several things that are challenging you. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Uh, Bad health? um, Debt? Responsibility? Failure? There could be many things. So there's three things I'd like us to consider this morning from our text in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Firstly, the reality. The reality of our fear and dismay. Secondly, the promise of God's presence. And thirdly, the promise of His power. So what, we need to ask the question, we need to ask the question, what is fear? What is fear? Fear is an emotion, isn't it? You feel an emotion. Uh, An emotion it's an, um, an emotional response to trouble, to danger, to pain, to pressure. Our text speaks of dismay as well. Fear not, for I am with you, be not dismayed. My vocabulary is pretty limited, and I had to look up this to make sure I knew what it meant, and, uh, Basically, it means looking around lost and helpless. You're, one, you're this little boy or little girl who's lost mum and dad and the crowds are walking around. You are lost. You feel dismay. Uh, you don't know what to do and it's not until you find your parents again that you feel at rest again. So God says to us, fear not, be not dismayed. Fear, as we know it, is an emotion, an emotional response to to those things, is a result of the fall. So when Adam and Eve fell, that's when they first understood what fear meant, as we know it. Adam hid himself, it says, because he was afraid of god because of his sin cain his son cain feared man would kill him for killing his brother abraham lied twice twice because of his beautiful wife he he, he uh, she was technically his half sister and but he, she was his wife, some relation at least, and uh, <laughs> so he, he wants to make sure that he doesn't get killed because uh, he's got a beautiful wife, and so on two different occasions, he lies, and then the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul on on the ship in a violent storm. He was on that in in that storm for I think two weeks just terrible weather and a violent storm and the angel said to him don't be afraid Paul now I find it quite hard to imagine Paul being afraid but if an angel needed to say that if God sent an angel to tell Paul that then obviously Paul needed to hear that we all do everyone faces fear worry dismay in this life and uh, the little child feels it that it stays with us all our lives because we uh, of, and since Adam's fall our fear rightly tells us not to do something foolish uh, like jump in the lion's cage at the zoo <laughs> our Fear wisely tells us not to do that; our fear wisely tells us not to jump off the building uh do you get do you feel that thing that that sensation where if you're up somewhere very high, the edge is over there, say with that front row of seats, and you need to stay back here <laughs> you gravity is not pulling you over the edge <laughs> but you feel better back here so fear wisely tells you it's better back here but there are times when our fear wrongly can control us and keep us from trusting god for our protection now i think of my son again a couple of years ago when he was three and uh, he was sleeping in the same room as his big sister who's three years older than him and uh, (coughs) he was afraid of shadows and things at night time in his bedroom and it seemed like a a ceremony every night where I'd have to go in and tell him that that koala there sitting on the thing is not a monster it's just a silhouette and we turn on the lights. see it's just a koala and this fear controlled his thinking the way he thought and uh, he just continued in this unbelief i i i showed him what the truth was and and this fear controlled him his thoughts his thoughts now let's just consider the background of isaiah chapter 41 let's go back to chapter 39 Uh, Judah has just been through a really scary time where they were it seemed uh, they, they were under threat from the Assyrians the Assyrians were knocking on their door and threatening them that they were going to destroy their place and uh, if they didn't submit and God protected them and then Hezekiah the king was sick, and God um, Hezekiah called out to God for help and there uh, at the, and God answered his prayer and gave him I, I believe it was another 15 years of life. Promised him another 15 years of life. And in chapter 39 we read of a king, the king of Babylon. And uh, the king, this king seems like a, seemed like a he was doing something nice in chapter 39. And at that time, Merodek, Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed them the house of his treasures, the silver and gold, the spices, the precious ointment, and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures, there was nothing in his house or in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to, the, went to king Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from from whence and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, They came to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he said, "Oh, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all. All that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. For he said, At least there will be peace and truth in my days. So Isaiah has prophesied that the day is coming very soon when Babylon will return not with a a gesture of kindness and a present, but with a sword. And they will drag everything that you know and care about back to their country. Thousands will be slaughtered and uh, everything that you know and love will be taken away. That is the setting for Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. The people... You can imagine they've escaped the Assyrians, the threat of the Assyrians. Whew, don't have to worry about them. God's protected us. And then through just what happened there in chapter 39, Judah is now afraid of the future. When will it be? I, I believe it was about 100 years later. About 100 years later that, that, that it occurred. And Jeremiah witnessed what Isaiah prophesied. He witnessed it. The temple, everything that the nation was proud of and loved, the palace, just smoking rubble. People killed, widows and, and orphans walking the streets. And Daniel was dragged to babylon daniel was uh one of the well-educated people and and uh he was he his life was spared and and maybe he and jeremiah remembered this verse maybe they remembered is this uh, it, it would have been a terribly scary time terrible time and maybe they said to themselves Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God did not remove their situation. They were stuck in that situation. Maybe God protected them in their situation. As they trusted in Him, and Daniel, Daniel was lowered into the in the lion's den. Maybe he remembered this verse again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now, New Zealand, I believe that this. What we have here is a dream. <laughs> One day, New Zealand, the world, will, will face what these people are facing in our Bibles. This is a dream. This is, this is a, too good to be true, <laughs> as we consider this morning. Uh, let's enjoy it while we have it, but don't think that this is normal that this is going to continue for centuries and centuries because people, uh, the evil men, uh, they just ravage good places like this in time, don't they? And we see in history as people turn away from God that uh, that things happen to those people. So I'd like to just remind you of that, that that... That this is this is just wonderful what we experience here in New Zealand at this time, time of peace. But don't think it's going to stay like this. Uh, think about those people that don't experience what we experience now. Don't forget them. Don't think that 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 this is how it is everywhere. Maybe uh, we need to remember our our brothers and sisters in Christ in other countries that that do feel and understand the fear that is felt here in Isaiah forty-one. So, what is the answer for fear? What is the answer? The answer is the truth. Truth. God's truth is the answer for fear. I'm I'm trying to help my son see th- the truth that that koala is not a monster. He's just a koala. He's a stuffed toy. There's no one hiding in your wardrobe, and I'm just out there in the lounge your sister sleeping in the bed next to you you're completely safe and as time went by slowly he, he began to, to realize that so the truth is the answer for fear let's just consider two truths the promise of God's presence and the promise of God's power he says God says in our text I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Zion uh, felt better and soon fell asleep. When I, I, I actually lay down on the floor next to him. Uh, I didn't want to get lying on the bed with him because I knew if I tried to escape, he would probably wake up. So, <laughs> my idea was to lie down on, on the floor. And it's funny watching his little face looking over the side of the bed with a smile and and just checking every so often that I was still there. So he felt better and he fell asleep because he knew that I was with him. Why? Because Zion knows that I love him and I will do anything For him to protect him, let's just consider if someone else was in the bedroom with him. John Key, for instance, Uh, he could ask uh, the most the the, the best security guards to come in and stand there in Zion's bedroom, and and uh, and uh, protect him, and and uh, what what would happen? Zion would not be confident. He would not have been confident, or so confident at least, that they would protect him, even though they were with him. Even if they laid down on the floor. And uh, because Zion would not be confident of their love and protection. And God asks us in our fears He says to us in our fears, I, the king of the universe, your almighty loving father will be with you. I, the almighty king of the universe, your almighty loving father will be there with you. It takes faith, doesn't it, to to recognize that and because we cannot look over the side of our bed and see God physically lying there beside us, we need to, by faith, read what God's word says and trust Him for this. So, pray God would open your eyes to that, that He is there with you. He's He's in here with us now. He's uh, He's everywhere. So we can call out to him anywhere we we, we we go. We cannot escape his presence and his care. Moses um, spoke to Israel and he said, And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And, uh, God said to Jeremiah, Be not afraid, for I am with you. To Paul, God said, Be not afraid, for I am with you. And to us, to us in John chapter 14, he said, And I will pray the Father, He will give you another comforter, and that he may abide with you forever. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." God says that to you. I'm sending a comforter. He's come in my place. And then God says, He says, uh, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. So we need to ask the question, Who is God? Who is God? Now, if there was a, a real monster, which there wouldn't be, but if there was a really big monster in Zion's room, I would not be able to protect him, would I? <laughs> so I knew that I, I, I was in a winning situation because there was no monster. He didn't exist. But let's say there was. And I would have no, I would be weak and, and, and unable to protect him. So who was God? if he says, "I'm with you?" Let's look in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 verse 12 who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand do you know anyone that can measure all the water in the world just in the palm of their hand who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand measured heaven with the span this is a span do you know anyone that can do that and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure weighed the mountains and scales just puts Mount Everest on scales all the mountains on scales and the hills in a balance who uh, only God let's carry on verse 13 who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him who's taught God with whom did he take counsel and who instructed him, who was his teacher, and taught him in the path of justice. Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? We know that no one taught him because he is infinite in his understanding. He is the teacher. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket. Now, just remember a bucket and it's condensation. It's just like the smallest little droplet of water. The nations, God says, are like one little drop of water in a bucket to God. Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket and are counted as a small dust on, on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing and Lebanon is not sufficient to burn nor is its beast sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted by him less than nothing and worthless. God does not need the world and the universe. He existed before it existed. He created it. He is self existent he needs nothing else but what do we say God is like with our lives do we live like he's just a little better than an idol Uh, verse 18 to whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare to him The workman moulds an image, the goldsmith overspreads it with gold and the silversmith casts silver chains. Whoever is too impoverished for such a contribution chooses a tree that will not rot. He seeks for himself a skillful workman to prepare a carved image that will not totter. This man is doing his very best to make the best image uh, idle he can. And make sure it's not going to fall over us, <laughs> and th- and then he prays to that God. Do we, do we treat God like, like, just like that, or just a, a, a bit better? Uh, we need to instead see him, see God as he is. In verse twenty one: Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing and he makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely they be planted, scarcely shall they be sown, scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom will ye liken me or to whom shall I be equal says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things who brings out their host by number he calls them all by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Not one is missing. Not one is missing. So, what do we say? Verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. So we, 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 we realize, we, we do what the text says. We look up, we lift up our eyes above what we are looking at and considering and we consider who God is and his, who he truly is. And then we couple that with his uh, sovereign grace in choosing us. In choosing us. Chapter 40 verse um, 41 verse 8 and 9. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not cast you away. And then he says, fear not, for I am with you. So we know who, who, how awesome our God is and his power. Uh, he created everything. Nothing is too hard for him. And then in, in, then in his sovereign grace, he, he reaches into our lives uh, here, Israel. But we read in the New Testament that the Christian has been elected uh, before the foundations of the earth. He chose us. Uh, not for anything, any good that we've done, uh, just in his own wisdom he chose us and we, we, we couple that with his power and his wisdom and everything that he is oh, nothing I, I am safe nothing is too hard for God and he will help me and protect me so the question is is he your God is he your God Do you know God as more than just a power out there, someone to call upon when you're in trouble? Is he your God? Now, before I was saved, I believed God. I believed that God existed. I believed Jesus was God. But he was not he, he I did not know him as my God. And uh, it wasn't until I knew him as my God when I was saved that then I called out to him and it made complete sense that I could turn to him in, with any, anything that I was struggling with. Uh, is he your God? I encourage you to, to make sure today, if he, is, uh, if, if he isn't, that he would become your God through Christ that you trust him and that you, if you're not sure, just like I was, I had questions and someone needed to show me that, that you, you you do that. Find someone that can show you how, how to become a Christian, uh, how that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. We lapse into fear and into sin from that fear when we forget who God is and his relationship to us. We lapse into fear and sin when we think God is absent, that he isn't in this room, that I'm 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 just too small and insignificant for him to even really consider me. We lapse into fear and sin when we doubt whether he is willing to assist us. Our Remember your child. I remember my son. I will do anything to, to, to be there with him and to help him. And God is like that too. God is like that too F- with you. I don't know. If, you've, if you have um, children, you might remember when you held your first child. That is when I realized how much my parents loved me i uh, I did not realize how much my parents loved me until I held my own child, and then I realized, Wow, my parents really do love me. <laughs> they always said they did, but I didn't really understand it. and Then when I held my own daughter for the first time, it just I realized how much my mum and dad love me, and God loves you just like that. He just cares for you so much. It's difficult though, isn't it, when our children slap us and push us and, and, and hurt us by denying our, our desire to help them. Uh, as humans, it's something that we need to learn. I saw something that really saddened me yesterday. Uh, I think she was his grandmother. Uh, this little boy is about seven or eight and uh he wanted something that she had some game or yeah. something like that and uh she said she didn't have it and he physically pushed her his grandmother in in the stomach like you know in frustration just it really saddened me to see a boy do that to his grandmother um kids do these sorts of things but do we do that with god and when we do can you see how it how it must hurt him and but then when we do turn to him when we do learn to trust him how glad he is and uh, how blessed he feels he says let's just consider lastly the promise of his power so we know he is our God, the promise of his power in chapter 41 verse 10. I will strengthen you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, talking about the armor of God, uh, putting on the armor of God, the whole armor of God. And, and it's in that passage begins with, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So God gives us that, that inner power and strength to face whatever is in our way. He also says, I will, I will help you. Yes, I will help you. As I, the Lord who sees your situation, will enable you to do my will. Yes, there is certainty and I will be there. I will do it. I will help you. Now let's just think about the service of God. This isn't just about facing the things that really scare us, uh, sickness or, or things that come into our lives, obstacles and that, but serving God as well. I will help you. I will strengthen you. Don't be afraid. I see this refereeing thing, it's not spiritual, is it? <laughs> but I see it as a personal development sort of thing. Because I am not naturally a person that deals with confrontation very well. I've grown up always, my theory when I was growing up, if there was a bully to run away. You know, I was always running away. And uh, I never faced up or stood my ground and so it's something that I need to work on so I, I look at it in that, in that light personal development and so we, we see the trials that come our way and the things that we need to do as a way to grow in Christ and, and, and actually test the faith that we like to talk about that we have yeah. So uh, serving God these things are to be used for serving God. Now Hebrews 13.5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe that's a favorite verse of yours. But then he turns there and he says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do unto me. Now, think about that in, this, in in relation to serving God. Because it does involve people, doesn't it? And then he says, I will uphold you. I encourage you just to go home and to look at this verse and just to take it apart as we have this morning. Think about this. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You're, you're drowning in the ocean. What you need is something or someone to uphold you. Eh? And God says, I will uphold you, hold you up, support you. Cling to you, and he says, With my right hand, uh, I'm sorry if you're left handed, but God says, I'm going to do it with my right hand. And what and I understand if you're left handed, that is your stronger arm and your stronger hand. God says, His right hand is uh, the one that He will hold us up with. It's sure, it's sure, hand of power. And He says, My righteous right hand. my righteous right hand. So we see there God will, will hold us up with justice. And God promised to Abraham, "Of those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. And in uh, Galatians, we haven't got time to go to that, but that promise applies to you too in Christ. So God will uphold you with his righteous right hand. So, God is waiting for us, calling to us to acknowledge his presence and his power. He's waiting and calling to us to embrace his help and to walk according to his righteousness in his word. Unbelief, just like my son will not just just doesn't believe it and uh, so get into the word find those stories and those accounts of people that that did trust God and, and through everything that they faced uh, glorified God in trusting him I encourage you to do that and if you, again if you're not saved even if you're not sure then make sure because the christian life anything that you face can you can look to god for help and and uh amen so let's pray